don't. Don't open that box. What have you done? You shouldn't have opened it. You shouldn't have opened it. Open Hello, listening people. Hello. You're listening to Spin Posh Presents The Mystery Box. I'm one of your hosts, Ryan Swinski. And I am Bartek. Hello, Bartek. How are you? Good. How are you? I'm very well. We're spitting Polish, likingly, because we're always spitting, and we both happen to be Polish, which I've said many times on our Mystery Box show doesn't apply to this specific show, more our weekly show, but for those listening, you're like, Bartek, Ryan, are those Polish names? The answer is yes. Bartek and Ryan? Ryan, because I'm Polish, so it means it is now. Slowinski, definitely, but, uh, you know, we are doing our monthly show, The Mystery Box, the show in which we watch a movie that's completely a mystery to us, a movie that has been found secondhand, or video project, or thing that we've found secondhand at op shops, or the gutter, or, you know, a ghost left it in our house, you know, and we put it in this box, wrap them up, and we get a guest to choose the DVD video project movie thing at random. We sit down and watch it, and then we talk about what we found. Yes. Yeah? And in this episode, we had a returning DVD case. Now, on this show, sometimes the DVDs that we put into the mystery box have multiple video projects on them and typically yeah. we only watch one of them for each episode and so and we watch whichever one is the default option when you put the disc in yeah so a couple of episodes ago i think it might have been november i might be wrong i'm just pulling that it, out was, my head. it was january january oh it was after Start christmas year. yeah okay so january we did a film called space fury and that was in a DVD box with another film that we talked about a little bit in that episode because yeah. we thought that that's what we were going to watch because the cover made it more prominent. But on the DVD itself, it was the second option, so we didn't watch it. And that movie is Alien Intruder. Yes, we watched Alien Intruder, but we had to have a guest to come to my house to open the box and put their hand in and pick it. So who is who do we have with us this episode? Who is here to blame for picking Alien Intruder? Well, speaking of January, Ryan, the first ever January episode of the Mystery Box featured a guest by the name of Reese McKenzie for the film. Too bad they couldn't join us. We are joined That's instead the the by film. Larry Miller. <laughs> <laughs> Keeping up with the Steins. And that guest was Reese McKenzie, and the guest in this episode is Mies Rackenzie. Hello, Mies Rackenzie. What? what? Hello. <laughs> Reese. Yeah, the, Rickenzie. Yeah, yeah okay. the the doppelganger the of Reese McKenzie. Reese McKenzie from the Mirror Universe. I am here to do a podcast without saying anything stupid throughout this whole podcast. Wow, he's already started strong. <laughs> so, Reese, you came here this morning. I came here. You yes, you picked from the box. I picked from the box. And I had a very specific method of choosing this. Yes, you did. Oh, you you did? did a bunch of counting. Okay. Yes. He counted them. I was behind him. And then he back. twiddled his fingers about and hummed and hard and he looked at each one individually even though they're wrapped and going, mm. he put them on a scale to weigh them. 
he, he taste them? Not no, he's not that specific. He, okay. he, 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 you know, he, he, he threw them in the air to see how high they could go. So everyone, Reese is very big, so the fact that I was behind him meant that I didn't see any of this. Nah. And Bartek's very small. My, my so actual, uh, my actual method was count seven down from the row, mm-hmm. and then count seven back. And then there were two DVDs left that I didn't count, so I chose. I did any mini money mo between those two, and then Alien Intruder one. In the deepest regions of uncharted space, there exists a danger more lethal than any being known on Earth. It turns man against man. It terminates without conscience. No remorse, worse than a machine. Its name, Ariel. Now, I'm the one who found Alien Intruder. Mm-hmm. Congratulations. Um, I have a history with this other than we did it on the show already with Space Fury, which is my father. Yeah. Back in my hometown, story. owns this double feature. And I remember it sitting prominently in my family's DVD collection, and it was one of those ones where it just goes, oh, I do just sigh looking at it. Because my dad likes anything sci-fi, so he picks up literally anything. Doesn't matter if it's good or not. And he's the kind of guy who's just like, oh, well, you know, it was good, it was sci-fi. And, like, it's good enough for him. Like, anything's good. Like, you know how people today have, like, YouTube channels and podcasts like us and all that, where they're like... Well, today we're doing the top 10 reasons why Prometheus is the most underrated sci-fi film of all time. Or, we're doing top 10 reasons why Prometheus is the worst sci-fi film ever made. My dad would be like, oh, well, see, I was here in space at some point. So, you know, it was okay. Aliens were there, so, you know, it was a good movie. No problems. It was sci-fi. That's my dad. <laughs> That's he's just dad. like He's just like, oh, sci-fi. Yeah, I mean, sure, Charlize Theron could have run to the left, but, you know, he, sci-fi. Uh, it was set in space. Your dad sounds like a very nervous lawyer, essentially. But... <laughs> hey, it's me, Gil, from The Simpsons. <laughs> hey, could you give Gil old Gil a break? <laughs> I, I don't know if you're using flowery language, but when you said it's in the DVD collection, you said it's f- sitting prominently? Is there something like... <laughs> well, no, I say... It? Yeah, well, it's, it's because <laughs> it's trash and amongst real movies. Right, right. So you have, like, real movies like The Aliens, The Terminators, Moon, and then so this. It's, it's prominent in that it sticks out like a sore thumb. So <laughs> the reason that this got sele- like got picked from me from Top Shop was I was like, oh yeah, this this looks like trash. And then I was like, oh yeah, I know this trash, but I've never watched this trash. Mm. The cover on the front of this DVD is amazing because it's a still image from the movie that is obscured by the little poster for Space Fury, so we don't even get the full of it, but it's Alien Intruder, and Alien's written, like, with, like, Alien and Green, but in between the letters, they have, like, I-N for Intruder, in between the A and the L, and then T-R, and so on and so forth, but that Intruder's in white. So it's like, do I read it, like, Intruder? Oh, wow, I, didn't, I, didn't, I didn't look at the cover before and then, it, so, yeah. And then, it's all green, because sci-fi, and it has actors' names. Billy D. Williams is top listed. Ooh la la. Ooh. Landau himself or Commissioner Gordon. Oh, no, I'm not Commissioner is Gordon. It Landau or Lando? Lando. Landau. Lando. I think it's Lando. Martin Landau. <laughs> Martin Lawrence. Martin Lawrence Landau. Uh, Lando Carizian. And then you, you also, not Commissioner Gordon, um, Harvey Dent. He was Harvey Dent, remember? Mr. Dent, Mr. Dent, what do you think of the theory that the mysterious I, uh, Batman is a mob enforcer killing these people? I don't have any comment, no. 
and then Jeff Conaway, who is Kanicki. But then you're going, wait a moment, do they have any other Grease movie stars in this? Yeah, they do. Max Caulfield from Grease 2. Hooray. And then it has the great tagline, which is the funniest part of the whole thing. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. In yeah. the year 2022. So we're not too far away, guys, from that year, by the way. In the year 2022, we make contact. Dot, dot, dot. Too bad! <laughs> in all caps, with an exclamation mark. We laughed about that back in the Space Fury episode. <laughs> we laughed about it before we watched this. But guys, what's the still image from the movie? While it's an inconsequential character, that's an android who yeah. stepped on an electrical field and it's made his robot face emerge from his eye socket and it looks like it's Billy D. Williams, but it's not. Even though the actor in the movie that plays the android is white, in this specific shot, he looks like a black man. To confuse you to think it's Billy D. Williams. Yeah, is, you're right. Who is a black man. Yeah. So you're looking at the cover and goes, well, I guess Billy D. Williams is a cyborg. And then the back image, though, the back of the DVD has the real poster for what would be the real movie. Reese, could you describe Alien Intruder's real poster that you would see in a video store? So you have like a lot of space imagery, but the main thing you notice is Billy D. Williams' face mm. takes up a nice majority of the poster. Which indicates he's in the movie a lot. Yes. Mm-hmm. And then you Which have <laughs> Maxwell Caulfield. The Maxwell Caulfield? With a flamethrower. Which he does not wield Which in the movie. Which he doesn't use. Yeah, he doesn't. And then you have Tracy Skoggins. 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 <laughs> um, who is a lady. Who is a lady in the movie. And she's laying in a very... Um, well, she's a titular character, right? She plays, she's sitting in a very sexual position in the Yeah, she's, she's sexy there. She doesn't do anything sexual in the film, so why is she in that position? Yeah, it's weird. You know, all this sizzle and burn is making me hot. <laughs> you, uh, you feeling horny, Mormon baby? <laughs> Reese, having not had any history with this at all, when Alien Intruder got popped in, you saw the cover, all the stuff, what were you thinking you were going to get? You know, did you think, ooh, spy- sci-fi adventure horror? Like, what were you thinking? <laughs> I was like, judging by uh, the cover... And the DVD menu, I was expecting, <laughs> which is fantastic, by the way. Um, I was expecting like at least an alien ripoff. So oh yeah. Bad. I was I was expecting. What, what part of that made you think that was it? Alien in the title? Like the way, if you could look at like the way they've designed like the title of Alien Intruder, that's so like ripping off alien. Sigourney Weaver alien ripoff, so bad. So I'm thinking, this is going to be set on a spaceship. Things are going to go wrong. I mean, gonna, they, someone's uh, going to be chased. That does happen, though. It does happen. All those things happen in the, the first five minutes. In the first five minutes, but uh, the and first also, five minutes. And then also it happens in the last five minutes. <laughs> it's a cycle. It is a cycle. So, yeah, I was expecting pretty much misery, and I got <laughs> and I got it. Like, not the, the Stephen King short story misery, but, like, the feeling. You, you were completely broken by this film, by the way. I was broken before we even started. I was like, my expectations are low, and they were not low I th- enough. Yeah, I... I, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think this is one of the times where the you saw what was picked and you were like, oh, fuck you, or something like that. <laughs> yeah. Like, you had like, a reaction as soon as you saw it. It's also because, bit of context, behind the scenes, we had just filled up the mix- mystery box again with new DVDs, so it was kind of yeah. like, maybe, you know, we'll most likely pick new ones, and then it was like, oh, this old one's back again. 
And I was kind of excited for one particular one of the new ones that we've got, but I want right, to yeah. spoil that. But like, um, in my head, I was actually thinking like, oh, I kind of want to get through all the old ones first. I know but, I'm yeah. a bit like that too. But then there's also stuff like this where I was like, I hope that we never get this. <laughs> but we did. But we did. Thanks, Reese. So the movie begins. With letting us know that Jeff Conaway, who is in the movie, otherwise known as Kanicki, but um, you know he was a great actor. Like I've been rewatching Babylon Five, and he's in that as like a prominent character, and he was great. But in this movie, it opens up with the, the, all the credits, and it says special guest star. Yeah, special guest appearance. I think it special, was. yeah, guest appearance. Jeff Conaway, and it was like, is this a TV show? And it all we we did know that indicates he won't be in the movie very yeah. long, and then it did and Billy D Williams as Commander Skyler, and I was like, oh, Billy D might not be in the movie very long either because when we did Space Fury, they had a person who was like and such and such as General such and such, and, and they, they were like, like in it for scene. one scene. Yeah. So it was very low. The movie opens up with just straight into action on this spaceship that's in some deep section of space that we later find out is in section G sector G. Sector G. I just ran a projection. You're taking us into G-Sector. You got a problem with that? Yeah. I like staying alive. And it's a spaceship model, which I actually kind of appreciated that they had models of things. Like, mm-hmm. like it was kind of neat. Like, I don't remember if Space Fury had but, models. I thought they were like... But... No, I think they just had... Because there were, there were outside shots where they were interacting with it. Yeah, but, but I thought it was Reece, cute, to see, <laughs> cute to see little models of spaceships. I kind of yeah. appreciated that. Did you like it spinning? It was just spinning <laughs> in, a, in a circular motion. In a perfect circular motion. In space. In space, yes. Yeah. It was so weird. <laughs> and we didn't know why it was spinning in that motion. And we never find out yeah, why. Yeah, we don't. I guess that's the, the rest part of the, of the film... self-destruct sequence, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> that's a really the, like, later in the film... <laughs> I would it... love a sci-fi movie that's like, self-destruct sequence, engage, and this ship just spins around, and how it self-destructs is it spins so hard, it they falls apart. That they should remake... Great. If they remake this film and they have the spinning, they should have everyone, like, tumbling during oh, the Oh, if they scene. remade this film... If they remade this film... It's I, a very I, big if. I would kill myself. <laughs> <laughs> they can't make it worse, can Starring they? Billy Dee Williams again. Again, as Billy Dee is in it, but he's the alien intruder. <laughs> the sexy lady. But the beginning of the movie is just action. Yeah, it's it's chaos. Reese was the commenting that the sets look nice. And I said, no, they don't. They just look like some industrial warehouse that they've filmed in. Yeah. And, yeah. Then, I, and then they proceeded to show me that I was right the entire time. But as the film went on, was it the best set? I mean, it wasn't a set necessarily. It was just a warehouse with some was it the with be- some smog. Was it the best filming location? It had light. Yeah. <laughs> so that was one thing. But Reese was you were really thrilled by the action sequence I, at the start. You were like I'll explain you were going, myself. Ooh, and ah people getting <laughs> shot. A guy got hit with a flamethrower. I mean very lightly hit with a flamethrower, my dad. You didn't get like ex- fully entrenched in the flames. I'll explain my excitement in this term, like the, the warehouse scene, when Ryan pointed at that, it looked like it was in a warehouse. Which it was. Which it was. I, I was like, ugh, it look, it's kind of shit now. But... <laughs> Ryan, you make things shit. Great. <laughs> I just tell the truth. No, I'm not saying you made it shit. That, but I made you realise yeah, the truth. it was shit. Truth is out there. Tell the truth. Tell the truth. 
So, like, he's in the hallway. That's probably the best set I've seen. Like, the hallway scene was the best, probably, set I've seen. And it doesn't help that he was the best actor in the movie. Probably. Mm. Mike, we didn't get much of him, but he had character? Especially for, like, no-context action scene right after the opening credits. We understood what his character was like. Yeah. But, go on, Reese. You were excited. That's it. Thrilled by the fact that they he shot but, some people. But, but that's it. Wasn't there a shot where, like, he shot... A, well, they weren't shooting bullets, were they? they, were shooting, they, like, they no, were some shooting, of them were shooting bullets, some yeah. of them were shooting lasers. Yeah, and like... little electricity Like laser balls. bullets, not, like, laser... Well, like, right lasers there. would be safer on a ship like that. I guess. But yeah. you were asking what, if he shot lasers? He, he shot someone with his... Uh, gun of whatever sort he was using, and wasn't there like a camera point of view of the bullet as it went into his head? Oh yeah, yeah, that was great. That and then they proceeded to reuse that footage again and again. My favorite part was just a skip just through. To... Is Jeff Conway's hunting down this? No, no, Jeff Conway's being hunted down by this guy, and the guy hears this robot voice that sounds like exactly like a character out of Red Dwarf, uh, a vending machine character in Red Dwarf, which what was talking a vending machine in this, where it's like you want a hot dog. I got a hot dog for you. And the guy proceeds to run in there and shoot everywhere, thinking that that's Jeff Conaway. And then Jeff Conaway just jumps off from the roof behind him and shoots him. So and it was confused. just so amazing. That was so confusing, that scene. Like, what is that voice? Yeah. What is it Especially doing? Especially because... You... Well, it's, it's like a robot vending machine. Like, yeah. it's, like I, I've seen that concept done before, like in Red Dwarf, but it was just like, okay, this is so, like, stupid. We didn't even talk about the most important part of this whole sequence. Forget I'm, try- I'm every... trying to get to it. Yeah. Which is... <laughs> The screw. The screw. <laughs> the screw. Forget everything that happened in this whole sequence. Uh, Jeff Conaway eventually wins and kills everyone and kills himself. Forget all that because none of that matters. Because Jeff Conaway finds a screw. <laughs> a it's screw. It's on the ground, right? Well, uh, <laughs> through the visual language of film, they show Jeff Conaway standing next to this giant crate. And he peers his head over the crate, and he's looking over the crate like he's looking beyond the crate to the floor. The camera cuts to what could be perceived visually through the visual language of film, a POV shot, a point of view shot of Jeff Conway. And it's uh, a screw that looks like it's on the ground, and the way the camera is angled, it looks like it's a bit of a distance, like it could be like a meter or two away. But then it cuts back to Jeff Conaway, and the screw is like within, within arms on reach. the crate. Hands, reach. Yeah, hands reach, not even on... arms reach on the crate, and it's like, <laughs> what? And I was so befuddled by that. Like I rewound that. I'm like, what the fuck? I thought that was on the ground. That is terrible. Because like... I think it flew by maybe you or you Bartek as well, you you guys. But I was like, what the fuck? Like I had to rewind it because I was like, I'm gonna be pedantic, but this is this is good. this is just already a sign of things to it, come. Yeah, it usually takes us quite a while before we have to pause and rewind. And then the rest of the scene happens, and like Jeff Conaway finds a guy in a control room typing on a keyboard and you know it's sci-fi because the keyboard's like upright like it's not on the table it's up and like like he's typing like it's like in front of him like not on the table but in the air because it's sci-fi and then jeff conway just kills him tracy scoggins comes in wearing a sexy red outfit and smoking from the cigar a cigarette holder that means you know she's bad mm, femme fatale she's trope, a femme fatale yeah. reese did you know she was bad of course from that of course, she was like wearing like, red. We- well, we're wearing red. I didn't know she was evil from wearing red. She was just like standing there, being like. <laughs> and the whole premise is like Jeff Conaway's gone crazy because he thinks he's going to marry her, so he's killed all the rest of the crew so that no one else can marry her. And then he realizes what he's done 
and shoots himself, and you get a nice POV shot of the his gun mouth. going <laughs> into his <laughs> mouth. Right. Of his mouth. And it looked like a home video of a dentist. <laughs> like, it's so stupid. And he shoots himself, and then it's just like black. And then like you, his mouth. And then you hear that as text comes across the screen on the bottom of in the left hand corner telling you what year it is and location and you're like oh okay it's 2022 new york city was it new york was it it, it was new york yeah i'll okay. take your word for it because i literally couldn't care we'll fucking day. i'm just gonna say this straight off the bat there's not much to talk about in this movie because no. all you have is the opening sequence them in prison and then basically nothing happens, and then the end of the movie. I tell a lie, you have VR sequences that do nothing, yeah. and then you have the end of the movie. Nothing else. So do tell us about this present. Well, to be fair, some of the VR sequences give us daytime scenes, so that's something, I guess. Poorly shot daytime scenes, but give yeah. us this lovely prison. So the whole point of this prison sequence is to introduce us to our main heroes, I say in quotes. Yeah. Which there's there's five of them. There's um, Billy D. Williams as Commander Skylar. I think it was yeah. Commander. He's like, yeah, he was Commander. He is from the organization that... W- that had the whole mission that that spaceship was a part of. We find that out later. Yes. Um, and he is looking for new crew members to go on a follow-up mission because that mission was a failure. Yeah, they need to save them. And the people that he wants to recruit are all prisoners because they, in quotes, all have a skill that they can bring on the mission that will be helpful. Skills. Skills, yeah. So the first person he recruits is Maxwell Caulfield, whose name is Nick. What was his last name? Mancuso. Mancuso. Which I often referred to him as um, Cusco. <laughs> I was like, please call him Cusco. Cusco. I was waiting for a bit near the end. Spoiler alert, Billy D goes crazy. Where Billy D is chasing him around and I just wanted to be like, Cusco! And then it's just David Spade being like, jazz hands. It's like, it's me! It's a cross between Couscous and Clouseau. Yeah, it, it's in, yeah, it's it's uh, Emperor's New Alien Intruder. That's what it should have been called. But you were yes. saying... And we're introduced to him in his... His cell, which the cells in this prison are behind lasers. Yeah. Laser bars. Laser bars. Uh, he's fighting his roommates. Yeah. And I believe his skill was that he's a navigator. He's the best Navigate. navigator. He's in the one percentile. Yes, he's, he's the best navigator. I was, thinking, I was thinking if I had notes, I would have written down just for my own amusement that he's in the one percentile of being in navigators. Like, you know, the 99% are really good, and then there's that one percentile that is shit house. <laughs> <laughs> we need the, the shittest navigator. The 1% unacceptable. <laughs> yeah, yeah, the 1% that are rejected from the Space Corps. Yeah. And from what I recall, he has like some attitude to it, but Billy D. Williams, like. Talks. He was in prison because he was um, mutineer. Because his previous captain went crazy, which right. serves later into the movie because Billy D goes crazy. And he's just like, there's just a problem with me and authority figures. That's right. That's what I was thinking of. Good Max. That's his character it. arc, by the way. <laughs> I told you in one sentence. Yep. Um, the next person he recruits is, I think his name was DJ. He's the obviously nerdy one of the group. Yeah. I mean, he hacked into, I think, what they, their equivalent of the Pentagon is. Yep, and he wears glasses, so we know he's the nerdy one. Yeah, and he's literally typing on a laptop. Why does he have a laptop in a prison for which he was sent there for using computers? <laughs> and the lighting- Like, in the movie Hackers, one of the worst movies ever in terms of hacking, at the beginning of that movie, the kid 
hacks into the government and he's banned from using computers until he's 21. Like, like, and he's never allowed to use computers. Then the movie happens and he turns 21 and he starts using computers. This movie is like, you're going to prison for life for hacking. Here, have a laptop with a connection to the internet. What? Consolation, I guess. <laughs> You've been a good boy. Here, have the... It's like saying, hey, you're a cannibal. No more eating people. Here, I'll leave you with this dead body that's freshly covered in barbecue sauce. Eat it. <laughs> and then, like, I don't get it. Have a computer and have the best lit cell. Yeah, exactly. <sighs> the third person is the one that is the most contentious amongst us. Oh, yes, Peter. His, Peter is his name. <laughs> or oh, as Ryan calls him, long-haired dude. Well, he's the one with long hair, so... Yeah, it matters because he combs it later, like an idiot. <laughs> he, no, he brushes it. <laughs> it was a comb, I thought. Was it? Oh, yeah. I thought it was a hairbrush. Anyway... It was both, probably. Peter Peter is in prison for life because he was drunk driving, and I think... He, he killed, killed a whole a, family on a highway. Yeah, he killed a whole family on a highway. And his special skill is... And the last person... <laughs> <laughs> no, no, before we skip Peter... I know, I won't skip him, but... That, he has no skill. That was my we point, We never yeah. establish a skill. But yeah. what we do establish in that scene is they remove the laser bars and then they walk away. But in the scene, you can see behind Peter is someone else sleeping on a bunk. Yeah. And I'm like, could they have just walked out? Because they just walked away. Like, Did they even could- tell Peter where to go? They're just like, they don't say anything. They're just like, okay, you're in. And then laser bars go down. It's like, could the other guy be like, well, I guess I'm in too. And then just leaves. Yeah, basically leaving the door unlocked. I would have loved that kind of sequence in this movie where there's a little gag because there was no humor in this. (laughs) And then it cuts to, there's a fourth person, but it cuts to the outside of the prison. Oh yeah, in between all this, they they have an intercutting between the other guy escaping. I forgot about that. Yeah, they, they were. They were doing that from the beginning, but it didn't matter. Yeah, so the fourth guy is this big, muscly guy called Lloyd. I'm glad you remembered his name. I remember because you made a point of it. <laughs> and you forgot it already? <laughs> Can you remember this movie? No. Good. <laughs> I remember the character's Don't, names. <laughs> you didn't even know the main character's name was Nick. Because um, I knew his name was... I, I, they kept calling him Mancuso, so I thought his Mancuso. name was Mancuso. This white British guy, yeah. I mean, it's what they were calling him, and yeah. he was American in the film, wasn't he? Yeah, yeah. I know, but he's a white British guy in real life. Yeah, I know. <laughs> so, fourth guy is running from explosions outside. Yeah, he climbs down the wall, and then as soon as he gets down there, he, like, runs right into a prison guard. But then you can see the shadow of... Um, <laughs> Billy Dee Williams. Williams. <laughs> and the woman who he's with... For that just one that that evil, scene. Just that, for that sequence. Yeah. For that sequence, he's trying to escape from the prison, right? And he's he gets outside. Yeah. Right? As he and did. he's jumping down and you see all these mini explosions to represent bullets. You do not see one guard chasing him. Or, oh, no, uh, they're in towers. <laughs> it's a prison. They're in the prison towers shooting est- at him. They didn't even establish that. It's because they don't have money, Reese. Yeah, but how are we supposed to know? Because you're supposed to understand how prisons work. Yeah, but not this prison. You're right, you got me there, Reza. Hands tied on that one. And you know, pride makes me so horny. Oh my god. That whole sequence is all yes. about, you know, like Bart says, he's recruiting them for this mission. Yes. 
to rescue And in this recruitment moment, we, the audience, don't fully understand what the mission is that they're being recruited for. Yes. But thankfully, they have one scene in which they're in the Black Void room. Very similar to Space Fury, by the way, which also had a room that's just a Black Void. It's like a board meeting room. In a meeting room. But at least in Space Fury, they were lit when they were in the room. In this, they had no lighting because they could only afford one wall. Reese... (laughs) Could you tell us what happens in this conference and basically what is the premise of what they're going to do for the rest of this movie? That's a genuine question. Can you? Can you remember? Can you? <laughs> Should I have the safe answer or n- not the not safe answer? Well, I, I don't know what that entails. I, <laughs> I don't know what that entails. Will your safe answer be, here's the plot, and the non-safe answer is, here's what I think the plot was? <laughs> here's the plot, but while I do it... A- Deep stunned. The safe something. answer is no, I don't have a clue what that scene was about. <laughs> the, the not safe it was answer the one is I the, do. It was the one where they had the screen and the Aphrodite project, if that rings a bell. Alright, so my understanding from that scene is that Billy D. Williams gets in front of them when they're sitting at a table, not gonna they're not gonna assume that they're gonna get violent or anything. Yeah, because they're they're, they're, they're non violent criminals except for explosives guy. And also Maxwell Caulfield was And the dr- drink driving <laughs> killed all well, that's not, like, violence. That's drunk and accidental. It's not like the long-haired guy's in there for stabbing people to death and wearing their skin or anything. Like, it, w- it wasn't murder. Like, it wasn't murder. The only no. person that's really dangerous is Maxwell Caulfield, but, you know, he seemed like he was in that fight because prison's rough, and then yeah. explosives guy is pretty physically intimidating, but that's about it. I'd love it if it was the computer guy. If he was the violent one, where he's just like, yeah, I lift weights, and you see him lifting keyboards. <laughs> heavy, <laughs> he had that, he had that look of, like, he's the one that would go postal or something. He's the one that's like Topher Grace in Predators. Oh, yes. This is an exposition scene, so it's like explaining that there's a ship in an unnamed sector at this point. The Not- ship's called Holly. The ship's called Holly. Which is, again, a character in Red Dwarf, so I don't know if they watched Red Dwarf and stole this. So they have to go to the ship as a form of rescue, basically. Mm-hmm. Uh, yes. Okay. Because there's that. a distress call. There's a distress call, and uh, that's that's the mission. <laughs> but why are they motivated to do it? The Aphrodite program. Well, there's two things. Yeah, yeah. There's the Aphrodite program, which is, and this uh, is important. This is this like is, the crux of the movie. This is a VR. Well, then pro- we should probably mention what the other motivation is, right? It's it's just simple. It's they're just life pardon. Yeah. Oh, they get a pardon. Over. They get a pardon, and they also get to get, take part in the Aphrodite program, which is a VR program that allows <laughs> the prisoners to have like a couple of days in virtual reality. Simula- just weekends. Just weekends. It's called a weekend. You choose your woman, your fantasy. Friday nights at five o'clock. You all have the weekend off. In a simulation program that allows them to have. Um, pleasurable times with the women of their choice. Uh, but are they allowed to, like, make their own programs? Yes. So you're allowed to choose your own poison? Yes. Oh, good. <laughs> Ryan's using exact <laughs> lines from the movie. Because <laughs> I'm a dick. I can remember that. Well, you'll be editing I can't remember them. characters' names. Is and this an excuse to not edit it in the audience? The, the yeah, scene sure. is so badly lit, I can't believe it. They like, were in a void, but also voidries. they looked like they were in, like... Like, you know how in movies, the only time you have that kind of lighting where it's all shadowy is when you're in, like, 
the dark alleyways or you're in like where the homeless people live in their homeless people town under a bridge. Concealing someone's identity. Yeah. yeah, or it's shady. That was that scene. But it was like, why is this conference room... Why is the exposition scene without In, in a, a conference room yeah. in a prison not lit? It's so weird. But then we realise it would be the first of many scenes that didn't have lighting. Then we get the old cut to six months later bullshit where they're on the spaceship now and... The crew are just fucking around for a while, and then they go into their VR uh, simulations, which are in pods. Yeah, two of them are already I was very confused about that, because usually when you think of a VR simulator thing, you think of, like, maybe the goggles that you put on, or, like, a headset that you put on. Oh, like, you'll be physically moving around. Yeah, you'll be physically, or you're in, like, a holodeck simulation, where you're, like, in a room that has, and this film does establish holograms, and then, you know, you're in that kind of thing. But rarely do I think of, like, I thought they were in cryo. Or it like stasis like tubes, yeah. like it, it looked, looked like, like that, cry, and I was yeah. like, "Oh, that makes sense. It's space. That's what you do." But then it was like they're in VR, and I'm like, "Oh, okay." Like I'm not saying that couldn't be a thing. It's just like it's just visually confusing because when you think of VR, you think of certain things like the gloves. You think of like Johnny Mnemonic, where he's got like the VR headset on and the gloves, and he's interacting. Also, with one, one frame of reference I have is in the first se- in the first series of of Yu Gi Oh, they did have some virtual world arcs where they were like sitting in seats. But yeah. it wasn't like beds where like they were lying back in like. Pods, I thought you were going to but... say Assassin's Creed. Oh, the Animus, well, the... where he's in a bed. <laughs> well, in the first Assassin's Creed, yeah, he was just lying on what looked like an operating table. Then it became like a seat. But then in the movie, it was like this weird. <laughs> it was a robot arm. Harness robot arm. So thing. the big thing is this movie. The only thing this movie relies on is is three things. We got a spaceship, which is a warehouse. We've got chicks with tits. Which aren't warehouses. Which aren't always in a warehouse. (laughs) And then we've got a director who wants to shoot multiple genres of things and needs an excuse to do so. Was it it two directors or one director? One director. I I would be surprised if there was more. No, no, there was just one. His name was like something Jacques. Ricardo Jacques. Ricardo Jacques. Lecure. Lecure. No, I've noticed. And, did and you notice like, like the, the one? Mu- and it was just like that's all, all this movie is. It's three things. We've got a spaceship. We've got chicks with tits, and we've got a director who wants to shoot in multiple genres. How do we do that? Oh, I know. Let's set it on a spaceship with a VR that allows the characters to be in a western, in Casablanca, in a uh, uh, like, uh, uh, like a rebel without a cause kind of thing, and the beach, the beach, <laughs> the which beach. we'll get into. And all those things will have chicks with tits yes incidental nudity yeah yeah it's very incidental that's what the cover says and that's all this is and then and then the last five minutes where it's just the opening sequence again but with these characters instead and it's the new generation of fight scene piss poor like i (laughs) hated this uh you have the vr sequences of course the the you have all these characters explosives guy he's always got a cigar or stogie in his mouth and he's all like it's hump day, it's hump day, it's hump day, it's hump day. And, and he's always randomly like, laughing. He's always <laughs> laughing and he's macho, macho man. And his specialty is explosives. And his dream or his VR is the Western. It's the Western setting. And what do we get of the West? Him in those old fashioned bathtubs in a black void. And, <laughs> and his woman of choice next to him, I guess. And his woman of choice next to him. And then him in the middle of town. And when I say middle of town, you see one building and it's just dirt. 
his dream is like, yeah, he he has sex. Like it's like, yep, there's a lady there. She takes her top off. She's got breasts. And then Tracy Scoggins comes in and she's just like... Yeah, he didn't have sex. He just saw her tits. He was going to. Then Tracy Scoggins comes in and he grabs out his gun and is like, what kind of person are you who doesn't knock? And then we realize this is a movie where nobody knocks. You ought to knock before you barge in on a man with a loaded gun. Why don't you try knocking sometime, Leo? Just make a fist and hit the door. You come busting in here on me like that again, Mancuso, and I'll fry your cortex. Here's the thing that bothers me with this whole VR sequence, right? It's the same scene, rinse and repeat. And you could argue that, yeah, we could have a movie like this, and you could do that, where it's like, okay, we go into this guy's VR sequence to establish that Tracy Scoggins is in this VR sequence, and then she's in this guy's VR sequence, and she's in this one, and this one, and then she's like the threat, right? Yeah, the common thread throughout right, the Right, great, great, cool. But the problem is, it's boring. It's there just to show women with tits that will get them out. But the biggest problem is, you're thinking, oh, great, VR thing. Different genres, cool. This is going to inform us what our characters are like. Yeah, what So they, the yeah. cowboy guy, he's going to be rough and tumble, and then... The drink driver guy, he, he's got the whole Sam Spade, Rick from Casablanca thing going the on. Film then, noir, yeah. Film noir, and then you got the nerd guy, is the biker guy, and then you got Maxwell Caulfield, is guy on beach. But the problem is, they don't know how to do this, because none of these sequences reflect anything of these characters. You could make it that the cowboy guy could be interchanged with the beach or the motorcycle or the Casablanca and I would not look at you I would I wouldn't look at you in the eye and go, wait, no, it, it makes perfect sense. Isn't it? No, it it doesn't matter what sequence any of these characters put themselves in. It's just really lazy. Yeah. Like it doesn't matter mm. that Maxwell Caulfield's on the beach. He could be in the Casablanca one. It doesn't matter because it doesn't reflect his character. All this is there for is to tell the audience Tracy Scoggins is here as a threat, and we have actresses who are willing to get their tops off. That's it. That's and we got a director who wants to shoot different genres because it's but fun. He you only notice in the VR, especially like he doesn't really like shooting close-ups. He just sticks to the master shot. And that's it. Oh like, yeah, especially at the petrol station and yeah. the biker one. Like you in are the, literally the... standing, um, like yeah. at least five meters away from the action. The only one he tries is the Casablanca Sam Spade one, where he actually tries to shoot it like those old movies were shot. Yeah, there was a close up to her singing. Yeah, and and not just close ups, but the way the the cameras and they and the yeah. and the way that they are. Uh, kind of blocked it, was like, oh, this is like Casablanca. And, and also, that was it. And also, they did put it in black and white. So and they put it in black and white. So that was and, trying, yeah. And they had, like, you know, the French police come in. and uh, It was just... This whole this is the middle of the movie. We don't get to know any of these characters. Hold on, wasn't there a, wasn't there a line in one of the prison sequences where like it indicated that one of them might have been in World War Two or something? Oh, oh yes. God, so yes. so no, this is actually when they're on the ship and okay. it's like cowboy guys talking to computer guy and he was talking about the war and how he served in the war or something and he was like. And I saved half the prisoners. Like, how come you only saved half of them? Because I was too busy shacking up with my fro line. And then he did this whole... He said something no. about Berlin, yeah. And it was just like... 
what did they? And then the other guy responded like how he was in the war too, or whatever the computer guy. And I'm like, what the fucking fine World War Two? Because he was like, yeah, I was with a Russian double agent. And I'm like, what is this? Yeah, and it's 80 years after yeah. World War Two, so <laughs> it's so confusing. What the fuck's going on? Like, it was like World War Three was the exact same as World War Two. Is that what they're saying? Reese, yes. Because there's really nothing to talk about until we get to the climax moment. Well, do we not want to talk about the beach and how great it was? Oh, let oh, me the... let me get there a sec. <laughs> I will ask this question of you and Bartek and myself. Who is your favorite character? I guess on a. <laughs> I, I I guess on a like just you know trigger reaction. I did get some laughs from. Lloyd sometimes acting, cowboy boy yeah cowboy guy being a bit like crazy and like just awkward um and and Billy D Williams had some moments where like he looked like he had emotions like in his last scene in his last scene he sometimes looked, <laughs> I like he also said he looked like he had not like he had emotions I, he I don't know it like he I don't know it. Billy D Williams there was a bit where he put his fingertips to his face. Yeah, that scene, and also and he had he had shaked a glass in fear, and trepidation. He, uh, yeah, he, he expressed distress and and being upset. So there there was there was that to latch onto. This is not me like giving a deep an- analysis of why I like these people. It's more like by default I went towards these guys. Okay, Reese, I uh, I asked you. So who's your favorite character in this masterclass uh, of cinema that was Alien? Ar- Ariel also had a character, I guess. <laughs> Did she? She's the alien, by the way. That's Tracy Scoggins. Yeah. I'll say Ariel. Really? She's probably the only thing that brought entertainment in this film. Is it because she has tits? No. Which she conceals? Kinda. My favourite, oddly enough, was the computer guy. DJ? I liked him because he was useful. Like, he actually did something in terms of actually solving problems with his skills. You brought up something about DJ, though, with, like, how he has an intolerance for people smoking. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. And he tells a joke to the end. DJ has a little bit of a sense of humor. He knows when to implement it, but he's not... At first, he comes across as the Shane Black character from, uh, from Predator, where he's telling inappropriate jokes... And I've thought, oh, God, they're going to do this. But then they didn't do that for the whole movie. He just had little jokes here and there. And it kind of worked. Like, not saying they were funny, but it worked. Like, okay, cool. He was useful to the plot. He didn't fall for the girl, which I was so thankful for. I thought it was just going to be Maxwell Caulfield that didn't fall for, for Ariel. But it was also him. And he actually helped. And I like the actor. I think he was the only one that felt like he was playing a character that mm. wasn't over the top in the way that the cowboy guy was and non-existent like Maxwell Caulfield was. Yeah. And Billy D. Williams was just there for a paycheck for me. So it's just like, because I know that we all know that Billy D. oozes charisma. So he doesn't even need to try. But in this movie, he had no charisma. So I guess he wasn't even trying. So there you go. But like for me, as computer guy... Now, let's talk about how Computer Guy didn't like smoking because <laughs> there's a scene in which the Computer Guy's type it away, and what happens? Lloyd comes along. Oh, right right in front of him? No. Oh, behind to, to him. To the side. Oh, behind. Behind. In front of him would be the but Computer Guy. But, like, Ryan. right behind him? Like, he's, like, literally, like... Let's put it this ...lurching way. over his shoulder? He's not in his face. He's not in his face. But, oh, there's but, a... but, but, but is he at least, like... Like a few centimeters away. No. 
oh, oh, is he like a couple of meters away? Yeah. yeah, yeah. Oh, he is. Okay, go he's, on. He's he's basically and he's obstructed by a bar. Okay, cool. He's basically southeast by very heavily south from from him. <laughs> and there's like a barrier between the two. Yeah, go on. Yeah, and um, uh, Lloyd is known for smoking stogies, right? Yeah. He's smoking one and uh, asks DJ a question, and DJ's like, "Can you not blow smoke in my face, please?" And we all simultaneously went. He but wasn't. He wasn't. He's behind you. <laughs> He's behind you. And he was actually being the actor. I don't know if it was the actor or the character. Was even before that, trying to be courteous and was blowing it downwards. <laughs> so it wasn't even like he was trying to be arrogant and yeah. blow it in his face. Even the though only... we've established that this character is the kind of guy who would do that. Because he does that to what is supposed to be a character. The android that's yeah, on the ship. I was about to say. Yeah, that's the only person he did it to. Person? <laughs> yeah, well, the, the only humanoid that he does it to. Humanoid is still too strong. It's it's an objective term. It's not any sort of subjectiveness. It's an android. <laughs> yeah, but it's got a humanoid shape. Oh, it's in a shape of humanoid. You got me. That that's that's Android. If... <laughs> beep boop beep. Got nothing. Ryan, that's too much dialogue for this character. It yeah. never talks. <laughs> this character was just useless. Well, you, you, absolutely you, forgot, you forgot it was rubbish. There. I was waiting for the bit where the android got like manipulated and tried to kill them. They're like, "Oh shit, the android!" Yeah. Because androids are strong. But yeah, one thing. Why was it there earlier in the film? The, the androids mentioned in like one line, and Ryan immediately picked up on that. It's like, "Oh, there's going to be an android." Then we see the android. Ryan's like, "Oh, there's the android." Every time the android appeared, Ryan p- pointed it out, and it made me also think, like, okay, yeah, it's, it's going to Why even establish that there's an android if you're not going to do anything android with it? Like, Why not, establish not it and use it for nothing? Use it for nothing. It's not like I was... Not even that they didn't use it as a threat. It's not like, it's not, it's not like he did anything android-related or even had a character. He could have just been Billy D. Williams' right-hand man... And that could have been it. Like, why was an android? There was no scene in which he was like, I'm doing the maths. And he's like sitting there and his eyes are twitching and he's doing the maths in his head or yeah, something. From, like from doing the calculations I... or or they can't open a door. And so he opens it because he's an android with strength. Nothing. From what I recall, the two things he does is I think he holds something up at one point. I don't remember that. I think there's something like, like in, inconsequential, inconsequential like that. And but... also he dies. Yeah, he dies uh, in the most destroyed. stupidest way I've ever seen. Like it, he falls onto a light, like an like a boot or something like that. Yes, yeah, some electrical it. trap. It was stupid. To go back to the VR. Yes. We have cowboy. We mm-hmm. have Casablanca. We have Rebel Without a Cause. All of those three things you could all understand. Like, and There's I'm just plot. simplifying them yeah. for movie terms. Like, you just have the Wild West. You have noir and you have 50s you know biker biker drinking booze in the american sun and then you have beach and not like oh those 1960s surfer beach movies where it's like yeah they're doing the go-go dancing on the beach just a beach not even not even a nice beach yeah not even a super clean looking one a beach where all the seaweed and crap is washed up on shore like i made the joke that because it's maxwell caulfield it's gonna be like the beach from the beginning of greece one but it's nowhere nowhere near as nice Uh, it's not even a nice beach. and what's maxwell caulfield's dream of vr jogging on the beach Walking up to his beach mansion, his girlfriend's in the shower, naked, having a shower. She hops out and he goes, nice. <laughs> and then he has a shower. Then he goes back down to the beach to do some more jogging. And she's up there being like, I'm going to wait for you. And he's like, sure thing. And he sees um, and he sees Tracy Scoggin yeah. in the water. And then, and, and 
Oh yeah, we've got it's to mention. It's just so fuck, and none of it's lit. And we've got <laughs> disclaimer for our listening people. We missed a minute and a half of the oh. of the film noir sequence yeah. because of something's wrong with the disc. Because it's a secondhand copy, and like none of it's lit. Like like no no none of the beach sequences lit. Like cowboy one is the near the noir one clearly is, and even the the biker one even if though it's natural sunlight or whatever it's lit. The beach sequence looks like garbage. You yeah, can it's, barely it's see like what's going on. Cloudy day and approaching sunset kind of thing. And then when you're indoors, they don't have any lights on inside, yeah. and it's like all shadows and mis- misery. It just looks like and Son he, of Soul. Yeah, and the, <laughs> the colors are dark too. Yeah, it's so miserable. But Very but Reese Ariel, you established is your favorite. Yes, she's in all of these sequences. We do get a repetition of them visiting their VR sequences and Ariel's in them more, and we find out that Billy D knows who she is. But do tell us, who is Ariel? Because she's your favorite, after all. So, is she the alien intruder? What is she? What's her grand purpose? <laughs> okay. I'm just, try- I- I'm just laughing because I need to think of a-, a logical explanation for this. Go on. Okay. In some horror films, is it not a thing that like you don't get all the answers? Could that have been a thing they were going for? I, I no. Think- I think they were trying to give us answers. but <laughs> In <laughs> Alien, that's what they go for. But at least in Alien, you know it's an alien hmm. that's there to eat you or kill you. It doesn't even eat. It's it unambiguously just kills. an alien. It's unambiguously an alien with the purpose of destruction. Yep. Go on. So Ariel is a... Is she's... You first see her in the first scene with Jeff Conaway, right? Yeah. And she's out mm-hmm. in the open in the ship, like, talking, interacting with him, basically. She's um, got a personality. She's got a personality. She's And at some point, it's established that she can sort of, like, teleport around. She, she can like, teleport, next to her at one yeah. point, then she's, like, a few meters behind him. But it, it, when they go into the VR, she, it's clear enough she can get herself in there and hack into their own fantasies, right? Mm. And, make, and let... She, well, what she wants to do is she wants to seduce these men to make to make them turn on each other essentially like yep. the, in the first in uh in the first five minutes of the film um but it doesn't explain like what she is yeah and it, it was all oh, computer boy said like she's a computer program with dna what does that mean hmm <laughs> I and, think, and, and he says it's nothing like we've got on Earth. And also the 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 seduction, because we said seduction it wasn't really like a traditional one where it's like you know she puts on her sexy wiles and they like fall for her. The it, closest we get is cowboy guy. Yeah, yeah. It, it almost feels like, like in my head, I kept trying to put it to like you know VR sci-fi kind of thing, like messing with yeah. their heads. But but I'm not sure if that's what they were going the, for. Or not. It doesn't explain why how. Oh, she's like in and out of the um, real world. Because she's a hologram, apparently. She's a hologram. Because Maxwell Caulfield says, you holographic bitch. Mm. But how does he know that? Yeah. Um, Why weren't we told about that? Yeah, like, like part of me was thinking, like, is is a, is she like a, a a crazy vision of theirs? But then the whole real world thing. But then she doesn't physically interact with any objects. Like she never lifts anything. Well, no, she or... hands she hands something to Lloyd at one point shortly before he dies. Remember? Yeah, but then that could. But it's also annoying because you could be he is grabbing that himself, right? Because we don't know. Oh, because so like so... what I'm saying is she never punches someone, say, yeah. or throws them, or does anything that could. 
be something that the person couldn't do themselves. Yeah, like her passing them something could easily be them grabbing it themselves. Like it's hard to know what is happening because they just closest we get is Maxwell Caulfield saying, "You holographic bitch." So unreliable camera perspective kind of thing. Yeah, like unreliable, just unreliable everything. Right. (laughs) Because here's my thing: she's the alien intruder. She has a plan. Yeah. What's her plan, Reese? Oh, uh, it, was, <laughs> it was explained. It was explained by um, eventually. Um, so her plan is uh, to ki- to ki- like to kill all mankind or something like that. To uh, kill all the fleet. To kill all the fleet. And how's she gonna do that? She she'll kill all the men on the ship, and that'll prompt back home for them to send another rescue mission and another rescue mission, and then she kills them. And rinse and repeat, right? Rinse and repeat. Yeah. And then always kill. She might leave one. She might leave one to go back to get, which was our favorite, Bartek's favorite actor, Billy D. Williams. Yeah, we find out that Billy D. Mm. was on the first ever ship, and the ship at the beginning of the movie was the second ship going after his was it, ship. Was it established that he'd done VR on that mission? No. Okay. It was just established that he was on the escape pod with her. And that's what we get with the ending of this movie if, on a level. Because if we'll we can, su- that later. if we can somehow establish that Billy D. Williams and uh, Jeff Conaway had done the VR, that could be like a common link. But, but we the never film know. Gives us nothing like My that. question is this: mm-hmm. How did she get into the VR? I don't know. If she's an alien in the universe of like. Like, she's floating about in space. How did she get into... Like, how is she an alien in space if she's a hologram? Do you know what I'm saying? Like, if she's, like, an alien mm. that's floating around in space and she meets Billy D. Williams' ship, say, and say that ship had the VR, how did she get in that? Like, or how did she get in this ship that we're following's VR system if she's an alien that floats about in space? How is she a hologram... And an alien. Because holograms aren't do, aliens. Do they actually say the word alien in the film? No. No, I think the closest you get is the computer guy is like, it's nothing, it's not human. Would this like, movie have been better if you called it intruder instead of alien intruder? Holographic intruder? Maybe. <laughs> I don't It'd know. Be more accurate. I don't think it like rings, like snaps off. The, what's the term? I mean, titles don't titles don't have to be accurate. I mean, mm. Predator's not an accurate title of what that movie is, considering he's a hunter. <laughs> like necessarily, I, I haven't seen Predator, but isn't that what they call? Isn't that just the name of the species of the killing thing? That's just what they call it. Oh, okay. They call they, it. They, a, they call it it essentially. They call it a predator, but technically, it's more of just a game hunter. Like it's not of like a predator, like a animal hunting for food. It's it's a glorified trophy hunter. Right. So it doesn't make sense, but that doesn't matter because the movie's great. Mm-hmm. Um, this movie is muddled and confusing. They repeat scenes. The biggest confusion is this: we understand on a level that she's seducing these guys to turn against themselves and kill themselves or kill each other. We understand why the cowboy guy could get seduced because she actually has sex with him. Mm-hmm. Maxwell Caulfield, she tries to have sex with him, but it isn't successful. We'll get into that. But then we get the computer guy. She scares the computer guy, so that's why it makes sense the computer guy is not into her. But the most befuddling one out of all of them is long-haired dude who the falls madly one. in love with her 
when in his VR sequences, she's just a singer in the background that he barely notices. Mm. And he never interacts with one-on-one. The movie is just dark. They walk around. Billy D. Williams is watching their VR sequences and having very, very great reaction shots. Yeah, like every time... He's like shaking, like, oh, oh puts his fingertips to his face, like, oh, no. <laughs> every Where's time, Ariel? Every time he sees Ariel, he, he yeah, he freaks out a bit. Because he's in love with Ariel. He's, he's the Jeff Conaway of the ship. Mm. He's going to kill them all. And let's talk about the beach rape scene. Mm-hmm. Because there's nothing else to talk about in the middle section. Well, there was one line that we kind of had a fun discuss- well, joke about. There. Um, Lloyd was talking to, I think, all three of them in the dining room or something like that on the ship. Hump day? It's hump day, boys. Hump diggity dog day. Probably hump day. <laughs> hump day. <laughs> hump but day? The, the line that I'm talking about is um, he talks about, like, oh, I want to take you guys to a bar. They'll have the nudist chicks that... <laughs> you've ever seen yeah the most like nakedest chicks you've ever oh, yeah. seen and we were just arguing like oh well so ha- what's more naked than just plain old naked <laughs> yeah we're yeah. like i like oh maybe Bones, they're skeletons and you i said molecules <laughs> i just said they put like a patch on their elbows and that's like oh they're mostly naked yeah exactly oh, oh right right Not most naked mostly naked uh they have the beach yeah. house again for maxwell caulfield yeah, when he part two of the beach vr yep I do just want to ask Reese this, since he's such a keen observer. Reese, yes. Does Maxwell Caulfield have a character, or is he just guy? Like, as in, like, does he have a character? Like, what is his character? Don't tell me his name. Tell me what his character is. Don't tell me his occupation. Tell me what his character is. He has a problem with authority. <laughs> when did he ever show that? In well, the movie. Then we just say it in his backstory. He yeah, yeah, in his on, backstory. But are, that's not showing it. On, that's just telling are, it. Oh, you want me to see? There it? are parts where he and um, Billy, Billy D. D. Williams have uh, disagreements. Like he, he want, He's the navigator, but Billy D. Williams does some navigational stuff without talking to him. Right. And there are times where I think Billy D. Williams evicts him from the navigate. Maybe I'm making that up, but all he does is question things, but he doesn't do anything. Yeah, and he gets annoyed by it. But he, doesn't, he doesn't do anything. He doesn't have yeah. a character. So we're watching him as a main character be strapped to a bed. But before he's strapped to his beach house bed, we find out that the bikini-clad babe is dead because Tracy Scro- Scoggins choked her to death with her own bikini top. Yeah, the, the, beginning of, <laughs> the beginning of the second beach VR sequence is her dead body on the beach. Her breasts are exposed, and you'll notice that she's wearing yellow. She was wearing yellow bikini. Yeah, the bikini top is around her neck, and I think Rachel was one pointed out. Maybe she got strangled. Oh yeah, my fiance was like, "Oh, she got strangled to death." And I'm like, "Yep." It's the, that's what the visual language tells it's, us. Yeah, that's that's you said it in different words, but yeah, that's the only conclusion you can reach based on what you're shown. And then we cut to the inside of the beach house, and uh, Bartek lead us down the path of why this scene is possibly the worst thing we've ever watched on the show. Yeah, it's it's not even for really offensive reasons. Oh it's, no, no, it's, it's because because for... I can like just to clarify, this is a semi-rape sequence kind of thing, but it's actually one of the few times on this show, including a mystery uh, weekly show, in which we've had a rape-esque sequence actually kind of be okay to actually place in the movie because the villainous character is villainous. Yeah, yeah. It the... works in that regard and and it doesn't fulfill itself. Like, she doesn't actually get to rape him. She wants to. 
Yeah. But she doesn't get to. But tell us it's why this obsessed. scene is one of the worst. Yep. So on the cover, it says moderate sex scene. And I don't think there really was one in Space Fury. That was very no. hidden behind this a weird This had more of the sex scenes in it. This would be, I guess, the moderate sex scene. But it's lit. It's completely dark. So you don't really get to see anything. We actually... F- I don't know if this was established or if I only noticed it when it was shown in a close-up that Maxwell Caulfield is blindfolded. We couldn't tell that. Yeah, okay, thanks for confirming that. He's blindfolded. He actually thinks that he's having sex with the bikini girl that he's supposedly in a relationship with in the sequence. But then she starts getting rough. She starts being rough. rough. And he realises he's tied down. He realises he's tied down. She lifts the blindfold and he realises, you're not her. And that's our indication, like, Oh, he was blindfolded, and also he thought that she was someone else. And and this scene is dark in the way that they've got natural light behind the bed because they've got these big windows that shows you the beach. But they've just got no lighting inside. Like, it's just, like, no, like, interior lighting. Like, not, like, even just in terms of filming where they don't have, like, just some lights thing around, but they don't even have the light on that's in the house on. So it's just like, it's not like dark in just the sense of like, early on the film we're on a spaceship and you expect, oh, darkness in terms of that. But this is dark in terms of, if you were an amateur that's filming on YouTube and you don't turn any of your lights on your, in your house when you're doing a vlog and it's just kind oh, of in like shadow. On a cloudy day. On a cloudy day. And it's just... Approaching sunset. And, yeah. it, and tell us more. Yeah, it, it's this weird... It just keeps going and it's like he's technically getting raped in this VR situation, but he like he's not really reacting that much to but, it. But uh well his body is saying yes, but his eyes are saying no no. That's, that's what she said, yeah. Which are uh, part of his body part. And later on when they're having the discussion around the dining table and they're all having you know, they're all sharing the thing about oh it was crazy. She invaded our things. That's crazy. He was the one specifically that said, guys, it was VR, it wasn't real. Yeah. So, so clearly he wasn't bothered by it. Because that's his character, I guess. He's yeah. just not bothered. Can we talk about the theory that I had or what I think is the correct thing of why it was dark? Do you remember what I was saying, guys, when we had the sequence where she was naked on top of him and it's very dark? Weren't you saying something along the lines of they can show the breasts but they can't show sex or something? Well, I believe well, that, that the actress... Didn't want to get fully naked in the same way that the other actresses do because Tracy Scoggins is a somewhat known actress. If you know your sci-fi stuff, and, and you do, and yeah. I do know, yeah. so she's just not going to whip him out necessarily for this. You do get the see a little bit, but it kind of looked like it was an accident as well. Yeah, because every time you get like it's a faraway shot, like Reese said, no close-ups. You get faraway shots, silhouettes. You could easily believe that's not her. You could easily believe she's in a bra. You could believe she's in a bra or just wearing the tape over the nipples. But then they have close-up shots and where, you know, you can't do that. And conveniently, her forearm and her and her upper arm are in the way all the time of her boob, except for one instance where the camera deliberately kind of moved a little bit to kind of get that nip shot. Mm. And even that, you didn't see her face in that shot. So I believe that the sequence was totally darkened so that they could hide Tracy Scoggins either not being there or her not wanting to show her naked body on screen. And also having like an excuse to say, oh, we didn't really show the rape scene or whatever. Yeah, exactly. And also I just think that they didn't know they didn't have lighting equipment. Can we talk about the biggest 
most enjoyable thing of the movie, which is every single line that Billy D. Williams says is sexual for no apparent reason. Yeah, there was a lot of uh, innuendo with him. Just that a was lo- bad. Like just all the time. Yeah, I still want him. You like to blow things, huh? You choose your poison. I got off. Ten seconds before she blew. The movie gets to the thrilling climax, doesn't it, Reese? Yeah, it's Where thrilling. they find out that OMG, Billy D. Williams has gone crazy. He actually knew about this alien intruder all along, and he led them out to Sector G to get them killed, basically, so that he could marry the alien thing. And that was thrilling. It, and it just it's... repeats the beginning of the movie where Billy D. Williams is now Jeff Conaway and he's going around killing people and like you have cowboy guy, he's getting seduced by her, but not really. He doesn't really seem bothered by her. You know? He, like he, it, it's he always... I kept arguing, why didn't she seduce him first? He's like the most physically intimidating one and the one with the access to all the dangerous equipment to kill the others. I guess the only thing I could say against that is like he, he seems the most unhinged. Um... That's exactly. That's why you mentally get to him. But I feel like that would like almost give him like an excuse to not be phased by her. Yeah, by and... the same logic. But at the same time, if it was a good movie, she would go after him first because he's the big unhinged guy with access to extreme explosives and guns. But also by that logic, you could also probably think that the ex-alcoholic guy, if he even is ex or if he's just not being given any alcohol, might be emotionally sensitive to affection or something like that. Cause... Which we do find out because he combs his hair. Because <laughs> <laughs> she, she's going to marry me. <laughs> and he combs his hair like a girl. <laughs> and like when he, like he's, he's stuck in the room and stuff, like he goes crazy and he just starts combing his hair. And then like... There's a point where they all they're all scattered around doing their own thing, you know, trying yeah, to yeah. sabotage it. And then like he's still in the room combing his hair. Like an and then eventually He leaves wh- the room. He leaves the room, but in the worst way possible. He doesn't go through the door, he goes through the vent. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because they went through the vent. Because they went through the vent. It's so confusing. And yeah. you- Honestly, between the second VR sequence and like the climax of the film, the fight, everything's kind of blurring together. I remember definitely that all four of them have a fight sequence against one of the other ones. Like, there was uh, Maxwell Caulfield and uh, Lloyd having a fight, you know, outside the dining room after they were having an argument. And then DJ and Peter have a fight. Because music. Because of music. There was also a thing with a disc at some point. What was that about? It's The idea is Peter was established as the one who wanted to know if they could make their own programs he wanted to make his own for his own privacy. And then the alien intruder manifested somehow the disc of the music she sang in his program to make him more sensitive and more prone to killing them because he is a private kind of guy. Mm-hmm. That's the logic. The movie doesn't explain it that well, hence it's confusing. It's that if you just think about it really hard, you can figure it out. But like, this I'm, isn't I'm, a I'm thinking person's I'm movie. I'm completely taking your word for this. Yeah. Same. The, the movie just delves into the old, ah, oh, we think we're smart because the beginning and the end of the movie are the same. The old, Bookend. everything's a circle. It's just going to happen again. Wah, wah. Like <laughs> Billy D. Tens and Jeff Conaway. And then, oh... The cowboy guy's going to set up the self-destruct button, but then he gets killed. Uh Uh-oh. And then, like, 
you know, everybody gets killed in that warehouse again in the exact same way, even if it doesn't make any sense. Like, computer guy was running up to go to the cockpit area to do some computer stuff, but then somehow he's above Billy D. Williams on, like, outside of he's like the railing. The, he's at the and, ceiling of the warehouse, basically. And then he gets shot and he falls down and dies. But I did, like, one thing. He gets shot, he falls off, but then Billy D. Williams shoots him again while he's falling. It was the best part. Can we just cool, discuss, yeah. like, that death was the most ridiculous death out of well, the whole Well, ridiculous movie. because, it, yeah, it was... Why was he there? The ridiculous in the fact that it made no sense. Not ridiculous in terms of it was the fact the, that he fell off a high the ridi- thing and then he got yeah. shot. The like, that is ridiculous, thing, but it was just yeah. like... Why was he there? He basically. was too smart to die like that. Like, it made no sense. And I said this, it only made sense because the creator of this, the writer, had a specific ending in mind and he just had to get to that yeah, ending the, no the, matter if it made any yeah, sense. The plane every man had to be the one to survive, yeah. Yeah, and Maxwell, Maxwell Caulfield, Caulfield had to Nick. be the one to survive as a sole survivor and he's going to be the repetition of what happened to Billy D. Williams. And then you wah, brought, wah. and then you brought up the logic thing of why was the first survivor like a highly ranked crew member and the second one's a prisoner? Yeah, prisoner who's known for mutiny, which is a crime of treason, which is for execution. Like, you know what I mean? Like, it's the dumbest yeah. one of them all. Like, it would make more sense if she if she kept Billy D. Williams somehow alive, but she betrays Billy D. Williams. Yeah, it's odd. Because she likes Maxwell Corfield. And the rest of them just all die. Like, comb hair guy dies like an idiot, and then he comes back from the dead to give a jump scare to, the, to then die again. That's the thing with this film. It's not really good at jump scares. Yeah, there were so many failed attempts at jump scares. You guys kept pointing out the failed attempts, but they just completely didn't phase me at all. Like, there was a jump scare. Like, that's why they failed. Yeah. They go on, like, the holly, the ship that's buggered up in the first five minutes, right? Oh, and there's yeah. a guy, the dead body that's hanging from, like, it's done like Michael Myers style. Like, he's hanging from the roof or something. And, and he just he flops, out flops out of nowhere. It's like, well, how come he flopped? It's been, like, months he's who, been who sitting there. Who put like... him there? Yeah, and the movie just proceeds to kill everyone. Billy Dee Williams dies in a comical fashion that made us all laugh because he gets shot and he launches into, like, an electrical grid and then he's, like, jiggling about. Mm. And it's just embarrassing to watch this old man I, jiggle. I found his speech before his death really bad. <laughs> like, I love you, Ariel. Why, we had oh, something really together, Ariel. Down, yeah. Ariel. And that's Alien Intruder. That is Thanks, Alien. Reese, for grabbing Alien Intruder out. I mean, on a level, I'm thankful because I no longer have to worry about it being in there. But at the same time, I'm miserable. This film is a drain on my soul. Reese wanted you to face your demons now uh, rather than later. Let's get into the would we recommend this feature film. Well, we know you will, Ryan, but what about you, Reese? <laughs> yeah, Reese, recommend this? Uh, to film students, yes. Why? I was like a bad example. Yeah. <laughs> okay, great. Bartek? Nah. Nah, not good. Yeah, no. This is... I I even asked Bartek this, and I, I want you to answer this on the pod. 
mm. itself. Is this the worst thing we've watched for the mystery box? Do you think? I I feel like it would be, but it would be between this and Space Fury because I I know that there's definitely you know I guess pros and cons you can say for both of them. With Space Fury, one of the biggest things that I just can't let go of is that it had so much there, so much potential, and it wasted it. So do I go with the logic of so much wasted potential is worse, or do I go with whatever this is just like a like not that great film yeah i think this is probably the worst thing we've watched on the show and that's including unfortunately rutsuki doji one and two i mean you've defended rutsuki doji one in the context of us watching the second one so i can (laughs) at least accept that but the second one yeah has nothing going on space fury understood what was happening i didn't like it but i understood it there was things I we la- I said this to you. There was a bit in the movie of Alien Intruder where I said Bartek. I no, I said Reese. Bit of context at this point when we were watching Space Fury, Bartek and I had laughed several times throughout already. At this point, we had barely chuckled, if anything. We had maybe one or two laugh moments. Mainly m- me saying that Bartek, you're laughing, and that made us laugh because <laughs> it's just like that's it. This is one of the worst because it's just got nothing going on. It's visually, it's just production-wise, everything's off and terrible. And I just hate how smug it is. It just thinks it's so fucking clever. And it's just, like, it's a waste of everybody's time and talent. The only thing I got enjoyment out of it was that thing where it's like, I love knowing actors and what they're from and connections. So I enjoyed all the sci-fi aspects of terms of these sci-fi actors. Like, you get Billy D. Williams, obviously Star Wars and stuff, and... Then you, I get the pleasure of seeing two people from Babylon 5, one of my favorite sci-fi shows, turn up in this movie. They don't share much screen time together, but that's kind of interesting. And I don't know when this came out in comparison to Babylon 5, but I'll be very curious to hear. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, you know, also the connection for our podcast, we've got Maxwell Caulfield is in this, which was, he was in Grease 2, which we covered on I Don't Appreciate Masterpieces, and Jeff Conaway's in Grease 1. Mm-hmm. So that's the only pleasure I got from it. which is Records, yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, and Maxwell Caulfield's in Empire Records. And, like, this is the only pleasure I got from it. Now, let's get to the part where we guess what year this movie came out. Mm-hmm. Very keen. Bartek, you know the year this movie came out. I but did. what was your guess before you found out? My guess was... I was aiming more towards the later 90s. Ooh. So I was... I, I guessed 1997, I think I said. Okay, Reese. To myself. Uh, I, I said the late 80s. I said 87. 1987. Okay. Well, I, I have that thing in which, like I said, I know some of the actors in this. Mm-hmm. And I know Babylon 5 was in the late 80s, 90s to the mid 90s. So I was looking at this going, eh, Tracy Scoggins looks a little younger than she does in Babylon 5. She comes in the last season of Babylon 5. And Jeff Conaway looks a little younger than he does in Babylon 5 when he comes in season 2. Aiming so it's like. The target. Yeah, and I was hit. thinking maybe 1980. Eight. You didn't hit the bullseye, Ryan. Um, let me just do the maths. Fuck. See who's closest. If, it, if it's two thousand and two, no, 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 no. <laughs> Wait, did, what happened? The last episode of the Mystery Box, the fourth tenor. It was two thousand and two, and we were shocked that this was. It was a pre nine eleven movie. <laughs> so Bartek, you have you've got. Did to I rep- say ninety six or ninety seven? Ninety seven. Fucking me, is it in between? Is it in the yeah, mid-90s? It is. Oh, You're fucking fuck. kidding me that this has to be when they were doing Babylon 5. 
I was technically the closest. It was 1993. Oh, I was oh, four, I was four years off. You were five years off. 1993. Jeez. This piece. Of... When we were born. Well, not Reese, but uh, yeah. Us. I'm looking at you when I say that. Yeah, I know. Reese, you weren't born yet, so no. You're a 94 baby. You I... could have been conceived during when this movie was. <laughs> yeah, what month was this movie made? <laughs> released. <laughs> Your parents were banging watching this. Just Jeez. think about that. I don't want to think. They're like, the... "Yeah, strap me to the bed." Like, <laughs> I think you want to go. To I'll be the. Away. I'll be the beach. <laughs> and you know, I said we're going. You be far, the bed. You brought it back. Oh, you'll be the bed. You'll be on the bed strapped. This, he's dead. And then oh. you, your mum is the beach in the background. <laughs> it's, it's suddenly Perfect. not sexual anymore. But all right. It's just pathetic. <laughs> it's just too. He's drinking. Reese. He's drinking from my cup of water. What a prick. You know what? I I know I might have taken it a bit far there, but not the far enough for him to drink from my cup of water. Water crime. Water crime. And we're in that point of the episode where we're wrapping things up and, you know, we will do the old thank you for listening, Reese. Thank you for coming out. Make sure to share this episode with all your friends and family and rate us on all the podcasting platforms, sites that allow ratings and... You know, email us at spitandpolished at gmail.com if you have anything you want to say to us. And we're on the social media, Twitter and Facebook and Spit and Polished Presents. All that kind of stuff. We, 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 we'll say that later. Or I suddenly am saying it now. But we're up to that point where we have to escape the room. This room here. We're trapped in this room because of some event that we make up on the fly. And then we have to choose a character from the movie to help us escape, but we we're in a tricky situation, Reese. There were no characters in the movie, <laughs> which is really hard to do. So we are trapped in this room by just the sheer force of the movie's impact on us all. Because I'm just gonna say it, like you two kind of underselling a little bit of how much you probably don't recommend this, because Bartek. Your body language during the movie watching experience was just more and more drained. You were just more and more like head lowering down, just kind of like. And Reese, I had to like go like, look at the movie because Reese was just glazed over, just looking off somewhere in the distance, and then I'd be like, come, come back to the movie. And my fiance was distracting me. She was yeah. just talking <laughs> to me, and I'm like, and I was, and she's like. And then I was getting angry, and then she was like, are you okay? And I'm like, I just need to focus on this movie, because it's really hard. And you even said, Bartek, that you wish our previous guest for Space Fury Mark was here, because he was laser-focused on that movie and knew all the details somehow, while we didn't. (laughs) And we needed him here to give us an analysis. But we're trapped in the room just from the sheer impact (laughs) of how much of a drag this movie is. And we just have to escape in any method we can. Reese. Yes. When you're in a funk like this. Yes. How do you when get I'm in it? a funk, yes. How do you get out of it? Rollerblades. <laughs> okay. I, you know what? I, I love that. An emotional problem, physical solution. <laughs> That's actually really good. I really like that. And Reese rollerblades out of the room. You know what's great? It's on the way here, Reese and I were just like, you know, fucking around. We were just messing around, saying dumb stuff. And at one point, I'm like, all right, Reese, say something contradictory and, like, you couldn't think of anything. No. Yeah, you've right on the fly come up with an answer and it's great. So Reese <laughs> put on his rollerblades and he's uh, rollerblading out of the room. See you, Reese. Bye. I mean, you're leaving us here, oh, but uh, that's fine. Okay, yep. He's gone now. 
Bartek, when you're feeling down, when you're feeling a bit of, you know, the depressive wave hitting you, when you're just feeling like you can't get out of bed, you know, that kind of heavy heart feeling, what do you do to get out of that funk? Hmm. I know, rollerblades have already been taken. <laughs> Literally, physically, they've been taken. I can't use them. Because <laughs> we're all in the same but room. Metaphorically. But metaphorically. <laughs> I... I think about everyone that's in my life that has given me strength. So me, I think me I, then, I, okay? Sorry? Just me then, okay. I thought you said me and Ethan. I'm like, I, 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 <laughs> me and my good friend Ethan. Who's Ethan? I don't know. <laughs> Whoever Ethan is, you the listener. There's Hello, an, Ethan. There's, there's an Ethan listening to this, and they've just got me. That's a lot of responsibility. You know what? I do, I do include our fans, our listening, our listening people. Ethan, in particular. I think about everyone that has given me strength in life. Topped off, of course, by Ethan and you, Ryan. I guess because you, uh, but Ethan mostly. Ma- we all honest. agree it's mostly Ethan out there. You know who you are, Ethan. You're all Ethan. you're all great listening, Ethans, and it's not a gendered thing. And I I I use that strength, that power to just force a laugh out. A ha 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 ha. That's several laughs. And with every <laughs> with every ha, I get a little bit stronger, and I can just stand up and. You know, left foot, right foot, just move on. It's hard, but I, I, I do it. Cool. Ryan, do you have rollerblades or people in your life that can do that <sighs> well, for Well, it's always hard because I used to have rollerblades, but then Reese took them. They were mine because Reese is at my house. <laughs> <laughs> so, Still am. <sighs> well, oh, he rollerbladed back in. Great to hear from you again. And he's rollerbladed out again. Bye, Reese. I thought you were gonna like assault him and take him. <laughs> no, he's too quick. You can't. You can't catch someone no, on rollerblades. But I'm, I'm oh, still he's here. back in. I'm still here. But though. he is still depressed. So maybe that could be. An uh, and now he's out, out again. <laughs> Bye, Reese. You really want me gone? Oh, now he's back in again. <laughs> Hi, Reese. And he's rollerbladed out again. So you want me gone? Oh, he's back again. <laughs> Reese, this is such a conundrum you're putting me in. <laughs> so, I, haven't, I haven't come back. I'm in, in such a depressive funk. <laughs> That, you know, what do I do in a situation? My rollerblades have been taken. I don't have anyone that is called Ethan that's making me laugh enough. And Bartek doesn't give me any strength. So what do I do in a situation like this? Say I'm in bed right now, just cuddling up to a pillow in depression. And I'm just sitting there going, well, she's at at work. She doesn't have to wait for me. And, uh, you know, I'm thinking, God, Rachel could get up here and help me. But she's out on rollerblades. Uh, her and Reese are rollerblading around town. <laughs> <laughs> but she's what like, I'm what? saying is, Rachel and Reese are together now. They're getting married, and I'm just there depressed. And I'm just like, well, no, boy, they're... oh boy, if Jesus was Greek, what would I do? But oh, uh... stop bringing it up. It's happened one time. Does Greek Jesus it happen one time? Listen to our land, of, uh, land of the dead episode to understand why I'm we're bringing that up. No, don't listen to it because I I completely shit on. Hold on, is it called Land of the Living? Dead? Land of the Dead. It's just Land of the Dead. Okay, never mind. And I've rolled, I'm rolling blading out of the room now. He's out. Where he smells, God. What? Why? Oh, he's back in the room. <laughs> out with Rachel. Uh, so when I'm depressed, I just think to myself, huh, what would Billy D. Williams do in a situation like this? And I think, you know what he would do? He would patiently wait for J.J. Abrams to get off of his ass and finally put Lando in a, in a Star Wars movie. And my method is just waiting for depression to go away. Because that's what Billy D would do. 
Are you saying that depression? And I'm just waiting. Are you saying that J.J. Depression Abrams... Depression is J.J. Abrams. <laughs> he gives me depression. <laughs> Thanks for the Star Trek movies, you fucktard. And, um, Are they better than this film? Oh, shit. We've got him. We've got him. Sorry, maybe well I asked done, a too hard well done. <laughs> I'm sorry, Ryan. Don't, Ryan, I'll give you my rollerblades. Am I making Apparently the depression <laughs> won't go away. <laughs> Especially if Bartek provokes it. I revoke my question. Well, so Ryan. thank you guys listening. What if Jesus was he, Russian? Well, he would be a <laughs> communist, evidently. The sequel to the Jesus is Greek joke isn't as original. It's a disaster. No, it should have been if Judas was Greek. Would he have betrayed? <laughs> so. Well, at a cross. Thank you, Reese, for rollerblading in. Bartek, a pleasure as always to see you watching Reese rollerblade in. Um, Rachel, my fiance or ex fiance, it was nice knowing you, I guess, but you're Reese's now, and she's going to be super proud to hear this. And um, I guess, you know, like I said before, people, I subtly inferred it before, but, you know, on the social medias, we're on the platforms of the podcasts, we share it around, we're awesome, we've got content, you should listen to more of it, rate us, share us, Twitter us, all that, email us, all that cool stuff, jazz bro man. Until next time, I guess... Remember, in the year of 2022, we make contact too bad, motherfuckers! <laughs> it really was too bad, wasn't it? It was too bad. Oh. Oh. Take your shoe to being given away. <laughs> <laughs>